Got you. <laughs> you, start, you start singing "Last Train to Clarksville," I'm gonna <laughs> mutiny. Okay. Greetings, friends of the apocalypse. This is Podcast Background Zero. You're home for the apocalypse for episode seventy-one. Train to Busan. I am the apocalypse nerd. He is Adam Bomb Glancy. Choo choo. We are going to be talking about. <laughs> The, uh, oh God, uh, it's it's totally falling apart already. <laughs> we are going to be reviewing the movie Train to Busan. So we talked about it last episode, and that kind of got us off on this tangent about is there a subgen a subgenre called the Train Apocalypse? Or we came up with many bad names prior to the show, and our best one was Rail Apocalypse. And that's about the best we could come up with. Yeah. We, were going, we, were, we were going loco loco apocalypse, but we figured it would have gotten somehow mixed up, mixed up with something about uh, you know something south of the border. So yeah. yeah, like crazy people, but only from only only who speak Spanish. Yeah, that's a pretty uh, specific. That's a pretty specific uh, viral apocalypse. If we're going to have that one, the local apocalypse. Very specific. Yeah. So. Uh, so let's talk about train apocalypses. Now, our definition of train apocalypse, we're call we're we're gonna be very loose with it because it's not that you know the trains caused the apocalypse. It's just that trains I think I would watch that. <laughs> I think yeah. I might watch that one. So so basically what uh, Thomas the Tank Engine caused the end of the world kind of thing or I something. I totally watch that one. Yeah. <laughs> be all over that one. Um Somebody, somebody needs to do that. But uh, <laughs> um, it would, it would be, it would be like, I guess, like Adventure Time, but with like badly uh, claymation trains. You know, I don't know. Uh, well, you know, uh, Stephen King brought us that that freaking um, Maximum Overdrive, where it's the truck apocalypse. So why not the train apocalypse? Yeah. Well, obviously, why not is because it would be even worse. Than the truckopolis, but oh no, St oh, oh, the trains are destroying the world, you know. As long as you, you know, go on the tracks, so yeah, don't go yeah. on the tracks. <laughs> I think we've got this one solved, yeah. Apocalypse over, <laughs> but um, what we're going to define as a train apocalypse is a is any kind of apocalyptic or pre apocalyptic situation that has trains. As a major component, whether it's even if it's just a background uh, element, but they're on a train, they're using trains, there's somehow trains involved, you know, is, is a major thing in the apocalypse, you know, because like in, um, you know, like, uh, I don't know if I guess it's like a, you know, Armageddon, the, the asteroids come and destroy the world. Though that's the main focus of it. But, you know, so like train, like trains, like we already talked about Snowpiercer, you know, yeah. as a train apocalypse, we, you know, we have, we have train to Basan. And we do we have another one? Um, you mentioned the British TV series. Oh yes, there's um, so Train to Busan, uh, Snowpiercer. There, uh, my friend Stephen Lee reminded me of it. There was a TV series, The Last Train, which is an English series that was on ITV two uh, in '99 and 2001. It was only a six episode series, uh, basically. Uh, the train involvement is, you know, people are randomly on a train to Sheffield and cryogenically get frozen when a gas canister is released into the cartridge, into the carriage, and then they're unfrozen into a world in ruins. So 
that's the catalyst to get them into the into the future. So there's the last there's the last train. Then of course we forgot, you know, we didn't mention last time all those wonderful Roddenberry TV oh, yeah. pilots. Yeah, all the the Genesis two, um, Strange Planet, New World, and Planet, uh, Planet Earth. Well, only Planet one, Earth, yeah, and only two of them had it. Yes, uh, the two Dylan Hunt ones. Yeah, the two Dylan Hunt ones where they have the atomic train that encircles the world, and uh, they use it to travel a lot. So, and it's 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 a pretty it's it's a pretty uh, predominant thing in the series, you know, because they're always using it. They're always they're always seeing the train station. So, I'll well, I'll include that in the train apocalypse. Yeah, as it was well. their it was their main way to get from one adventure to another. You know, it, you you mean it was their main way to get from one plot device story to the next? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And they certainly built that big freaking uh, set that was where the train would come into this, the monorail or whatever it is, would come into the station at uh, uh, under NORAD or wherever it was that the, you know, PAX had their headquarters. So, you know, they the, the, the train featured quite a bit. Um, uh, I was going to also mention uh, Twilight 2000. The role-playing game had a scenario called Going Home where uh, the U.S. Army is trying to evacuate uh, the last American soldiers out of uh, Europe. It was uh, designed and developed by Lauren K. Weissman, who is sadly no longer with us, uh, with some of the research assistance by Frank Chadwick and John P. Brown. And one of the ways that the players are going to get from post-apocalyptic Poland to post-apocalyptic Bremerhaven to get out with the American fleet that's going to leave and take all the soldiers out of Europe is by using an old, I think it's coal and wood-burning steam engine that they salvage from a railway museum somewhere in Poland or somewhere in Warsaw is sort of how the idea works. Um, so the whole adventure was about, you know, uh, getting this train across country and uh, trying to avoid everybody who wants to steal it because that's everybody who sees it, basically. Oh yeah, well, you know when when you're in that kind of scenario, that is valuable because oh, yeah. you know what? Because there is even an episode, maybe two, of Thunder. I know there's one episode with the little blonde girl. There might have been a second one where she appears in in Thunder the Barbarian, where she has a train that she salvaged and uses the transport around. So there's a train there. Okay. Um, there's also a series of books called the Amtrak Wars, which was, again, English. It was an English author by the name of pa uh, Patrick Tilly. Um, it was set in, uh, ooh, in AD, in AD 2015, the world was destroyed in a nuclear war. So three years ago, apparently the world was destroyed. Um, <laughs> this is a typical problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, the books were uh, published between 1983 and 1990. It, um, it takes place, in, you know, I think America and Russia – um, the it's, it's, it talks about how there's um, uh, what does it say here? The most organized band of survivors were the Amtrak Foundation. You know, uh, it was basically you know they have this uh, established underground bunker cities, and they have a high speed subterranean rail network connecting all of them. So again, trains play a major part in these stories. So apparently, because we thought about it. There's a lot more train apocalypses around than we thought. The last one I'm going to throw out is my favorite, which was uh, a series of short stories that showed up in uh, the Jerry Purnell 
fiction anthology, uh, There Will Be War. Oh, and okay. In, in volumes uh, seven, eight, and nine, uh, there was a, a series of short stories written by a guy named Don Hawthorne, uh, which was the first one was called Iron Angel. And I kind of figured that I sort of count that as maybe the name of the series. The other two short stories were uh, The Contract and The Benefactors. And basically how it works in the story is, is that uh, it's post-apocalyptic. Uh, it's the ruins of Moscow. And um, uh, these Russian uh, combat engineers uh, end up mutinying and seizing this train uh, that is uh, being used by, they're evacuating the last of the resources from Moscow back to the Ural Mountains, back where something called Moscow Center is, is, is giving them all their orders. And they are uh, told that they're all going to be, as Red Army soldiers, are all going to be disarmed and put under the command of the KGB. And basically all their officers are going to be taken out and shot as traitors to the revolution because they didn't win World War III. And so the troops are like, well, screw that, and they mutiny. And so the story follows these guys as they tear out of uh, uh, Moscow and try and reach the remnants of oh. the, uh, the allied forces that have invaded Russia. Uh, spe speaking of Russia, again, how did I not remember this? The Metro series, Metro 2033, oh. Metro, Metro 2034, and Metro 2035. And the video games that go along with it. So, yeah, the Metro series, again, they're in a subway system. They use rail cars, train apocalypse. And they get out of the, they get out into the world with a train, don't they, in uh, one of the later video games. Uh, yeah, the, the new video game that's coming out, um, I got to post, I, I keep on meaning to post something about it. They're outside, and that may be from Metro 2035, which I have on my bookshelf. I just haven't read it yet. So I read the first two. Uh, so I got to read that. So yeah, apparently, all right. So we were, we, were, we were questioning, we were questioning, is the train apocalypse a thing? And apparently, you've answered our own questions. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, the uh, All right, so that, that, that proves that we have a reason to talk about trains during the apocalypse. And if that wasn't enough evidence, we now have Train to Busan. Train to Busan, yes. It is a Korean, South Korean film uh, from 2016, it was. Uh, it wasn't released in the States until... Well, actually, um, when was it released in the States? Well, it was from like uh, July of 2016 in Korea, previously Cannes, and I think it was released in the States. We must have gotten it pretty quick. I saw it last year, which is 2017. Yeah, we got, it was released last year. So, And as a side note, um, it must be a good movie because, and I mentioned it before, my father-in-law saw, saw it and recommended it. So, and it's not his type of movie. He doesn't, that's just not his thing. But he said, oh, you got to see this train to Busan. And I'm like, really, Phil? You know, because I had heard about it before and then he recommended it. So I'm like, okay, if, if Big Phil likes it, it's got to be, it must be, it's worth checking out. So, um, so it came out 26th, the train to Busan. Now, 
we both recently rewatched it because it's been a little while. We want to have it fresh in our heads. And uh, one of the things I'll have to say about the film, as any, as most zombie genre films, and apparently train <laughs> apocalypse films, that's not really the main story. The story really, as I really got to watch, I watched this. Now this is the second time I've watched it. The film is really about redemption. I think oh, yeah. redemption. I think redemption is the main theme of this film. I mean, would you say I'm wrong on that? Or oh yeah, yeah. Um, it is a bit about making a. Uh, it is some of that. Uh, there may be broader uh, Korean themes about being, you know, an absentee father. And you know, breaking up. The, you know, the main character's family's breaking up. He's divorced. Wife lives in one city. He lives someplace else. So um, there's themes about that, and uh, and being a salaryman. You know, that sort of standard Asian capitalist salaryman thing, where your family's way down the list of things you're you're taking care of. It's about work, career, pleasing your superiors, and at some point. All that shit stops mattering. And the only thing that matters down at the bottom when things are dicey is your family. Yeah. So, yes, and it, it definitely has, uh, you know, uh, Korean specifically or Asian centric uh, uh, themes to it because it's definitely, uh, uh, you know, you can see that because, it, you know, from that culture, you know, and, you know, it's, it's different than American culture or. Australian or you know uh, you know England wherever the case may be you know so they have, they have a unique culture and you know there's definitely those themes you know of family come through for sure and you know trying to be you know um, um, yeah so like as Scott said it's you know the main protagonist is uh, a salary man works you know for the company and, and i'm gonna be honest it is tough for me to keep up with korean names but i have imdb open and i will say his name is yu gong and he is played by sook woo i'm sorry it's s-e-o-k-w-o-o which i hope means i hope is sook woo but you know. uh yeah so if anybody of um the pacific rim is watching and we're getting it wrong please forgive us yes. because it's uh, it's definitely too much for our um, American tongues. So mm -hmm. now, uh, not that the you know anyway. So it's about you know um, I'm I'm not even going to bother with the names because I'm already terrible with names with from in my own language. So I'm not Let's even going to bother. Go with what role do they have? Yes, the father. We have yeah, the I'm, I'm a, we got the father, the daughter. Okay, now uh, the movie does. Um, and again, we're not going to try to spoil this too much, but we probably will. But uh, the it starts off, you know, like any typical zombie-esque film with there's some small event that shows you that, oh, something's going on here. And they do that. And but then they put it aside and you and probably nothing else happens related to that for. Oh, God, 20 minutes or more. Yep. yep. It's it's a bit slow. Except as it's starting to get rolling, you're seeing things like, boy, there sure are a lot of ambulances driving around early in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And there's more sirens. But, you know, it's all there's, stuff that you can put in the background, whatever, you know. There's a fire in a building. Okay, that happens, you know. Or or even in his office with some things he's hearing, he's like, well, we should sell off this and that because as you'll find – well, anyway, we'll talk about it later. Um, 
so it, it does start off kind of slow. It is definitely a slow build film. Okay, and also let, let us warn people. All right, so people who don't like to read subtitled films, this is a subtitled film, yeah. okay? There are some people who hate it. They want it dubbed. You know what? It's still a good film. Just learn to, you know, chew gum and walk at the same time, okay? <laughs> because uh, I've been watching these types of film. you know, God, how long, you know, since... First time I ever saw animation, you know, well, true anime uh, from the video, local video store back in the, in the 80s, you know, where you only got subtitled. There was nothing was dubbed unless it was, you know, Speed Racer on TV or yeah. uh, Robotech or um, G-Force or yeah, Star Wars. Yeah, like, oh, G-Force. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I've been trying to remember the name of G-Force for like a couple of weeks and I could not put my finger on it. Thank you. You're welcome. It's uh, And from everything I read about it, it's the way they dub it over. Nothing to do with what was really going on. So um, <laughs> seriously, yeah. they completely put their own story to the animation. They, they did. But anyway. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So um, what? So... Um, Let's see. Uh, what was it? Uh, you're just gonna have to. You're just gonna have to walk and chew gum at the same time, as far as the uh, yeah. subtitles go. Yeah, it's subtitle film. So I mean, I'm I'm so used to it, it doesn't even bother me. I've seen so many films like that. It's you know, it's uh, it's just one of it's just one of those things. Just you kind of learn. Um, uh, why is he texting me? Yeah, John, I can't read your text while you're. <laughs> You know, because I got sending questions in. Are we getting questions? Yeah, John, say it's, hi, John. You know, uh, uh, yeah, no, John, I turned off. I turned off the live stream because you asked me, you wish you could live stream uh, questions because I can't watch the YouTube live stream uh -oh. and, and, and uh -oh, respond. Hey, why don't you just learn to walk and chew gum at the same time? See, your own words come back. To no, me. because I'm trying to pay attention to that. Keep track of the show going. Keep uh, keep you on the. Uh, I, it's it's not. It's it's chewing. It's chewing gum, talking, walking, juggling. Um, you know. and and hurting cats. If trying to keep me on topic. Yeah, it's 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 you know it's more than just that. But uh, uh, thank you for watching, John. You know, it's like I turned off the live stream this time because people were live streaming last time and it goes unanswered. I just rather not have it there and people be like, "Why is he answering me?" So, um. It's a little more complex than chewing and walking gum at the same time. It's this is a this is a complex construct that I have going on here. That um, all right, all right, Busan. So so father daughter have to get on train right. Train to go go see uh, go see the mom because the daughter wants to see the mom. Broken family, people aren't happy, uh, so they start to take the train. But as they're taking the train, you're seeing. Little again, little things in the background. Nothing that's really gonna well cue you. Well, you know, you're watching the film, knowing that something's going on. So these things may will may uh, cue you off early. But uh, you know, there's a variety of characters. You know, on you know, a lot of you know archetypes are, are on the train. You know, it is. You know, you have you know the jocks. You have you know you know the the grandmas. You have you have a lot of stereotypical characters. Yeah, yeah. And, and and the Titanic asshole. Oh yeah, well that's the father, and then no, 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 the the executive who's on the train. Who... Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Major asshole. Yeah, there is the Titanic asshole, and he's a bit of a trope in that he 
never does anything good. Nope. Like ever. You know, it's one of those characters where there's no mix. I think the Korean audience is like their shit black and white because that guy just never does a single thing that is is good for anyone. If there's a way for him to get somebody killed, he gets them killed. Every oh, yeah. decision's a disaster. Oh, and then and then there's the barbarian. Yeah. Yes. He that guy. There's a guy on this. When you see him, you think, yeah. This guy's a barbarian. He's a total barbarian, this man, okay? <laughs> yeah, the guy with the pregnant wife. The guy with the pregnant wife is a fucking barbarian. I... Especially there's one point where he gets a shield and oh, yeah. and like a club, so it could be a sword or mason. It's like, I'm like, he's a barbarian. <laughs> well, when they duct tape his when they fucking duct tape his arms all the way down. Oh my god! Oh, oh yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. That's so. where I start thinking of him as the Bruiser. It's like, yeah, we're gonna go straight down the aisle and just knock some zombies down. He's the tank, you know, <laughs> for for you MMO people. Okay, yeah, it's he's um, clearly the tank on this one. So, uh, you know, you know, the absentee father, the daughter disappears. You know, you know, it's it it has all those tropes about you know the absentee father and. Not paying attention works more important, you know. So they it definitely uh all that definitely happens in this. But then things start to well, actually, you know what? It starts you know what? From the second they get on the train is when it all goes wrong, basically. Because you again, it's a trope, you know. Uh, again, I don't want to reveal too much, but um the train is good until the train leaves. And then all of a sudden, oh, the problem is now on the train. Okay, the problem's one, on the train. One last passenger, and now we're in trouble. Now we're in trouble. Oh, and then when the train... Oh, God, I, don't, I hate to spoil this one, but one of my favorite scenes... It's, is it, it anything? I feel like you can spoil something if it's in the trailer. I don't know if it's in the trailer. It's when the train is pulling out and the little girl walks up, walks, looks over and you see the conductor. Oh, it's just so like on the side or it's like not even in the almost not even focus it's that classic thing of the kid see you know the kid sees it no the adults see it but the kids looking out the window and all of a sudden it's like somebody just gets jerked off the train platform like a bad comic getting the 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 crook off stage just jerk <laughs> just and the little girl's like huh the audience uh, is like, oh yeah, it's on, it's on now. But yeah, so that was just hilarious. So the problem's on the train, and the problem immediately starts to spread. Like literally, it's like you know, part of the train, everything's fine, nothing's wrong. But then the other part of the train is it has gone, it is going pear shaped, and the pear is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, are we allowed to talk about what flavor of zombies these are? Well, they're definitely... I figure we can talk about what flavor of zombie. Well, they're fast zombies. They're fast zombies. But they're very... They're fast zombies, and they turn immediately. I mean, it's pretty much... Yeah. The fast turners. There's no waiting, you know... Yeah, and so the train and, is filling up with zombies in minutes, not days or hours or whatever. It's minutes. And uh, that's all we're going to say about the zombies because there are some unique uh, qualities 
to the zombies that uh, are different than other than we've typically seen. Yeah. Uh, just you know, certain qualities of you know what they do. I mean, I think I think they go down almost like almost like just regular people. You know, uh, I don't think it just needs to be headshots to be honest with you because. Well I, I don't there's very few zombies that, that you're on a train nobody has weapons there's very few zombie casualties permanent zombie casualties it's mostly about getting them away from you avoiding them yeah uh, escaping them cutting them off um one thing they did do better they did better in this movie than in that terrible World War Z and I admit I haven't seen all of World War Z and I've just seen some clips from it but they got it's, their, it's it's terrible. They got their their mass of zombies physics right. You know, in World War Z, there's this thing scene where the zombies take over Jerusalem, get over the wall, and there's this crap where the big horde of zombies is coming around corners, and it's all CGI, and they're coming around corners like a wave, like liquid. You know, the, the 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 bodies are moving not with the physics of bodies, in my humble opinion. It didn't look like the CGI was really doing a good job mimicking a crowd coming around a corner. It was like a tsunami or something. In this, the zombies get packed tight, wanting to get at you, you know, coming forward in the train, uh, coming towards the, the next train and car trying to get in. I really thought that they got the physics of a just thick plug of zombies really right on this one yeah it's just like a big pile of people it wasn't yeah. you know uh it wasn't you know anything supernatural weird or cgi yeah, they're, they're, but they're coming over the tops of the seats they're coming over they're crowding it on top of each other it's they're packed really really tight uh but they didn't make it look it just didn't look phony. It just didn't seem phony to me i i really appreciated that and i think they used a lot of practical you know practical stuff with the zombies, because there is a lot of um, it may have been CGI, uh, but I didn't look at it as close as I should. But there was definitely some. Uh, they might have had some contortion specialists there. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like when they would get up and move and twist, and it's like that's. I don't think that's CGI. I, I think agree. that was. I think I that was real. I think that was somebody they got people to really do some really creative uh, body manipulation. You know, yeah. movement and stuff. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think that that was CGI. Um, the only, I mean, there's some things that might be CGI. One of the things you see in uh, uh, the, the, the trailer is the scene of big glass windows in a train station bursting under the weight of zombies, where the zombies are all pushed up against the window. And then suddenly the windows just start shattering and they just start falling through, pushed forward by all the ones behind them. Oh, when they get to one of the later stations. Oh, yeah, that's. Oh, yeah, yeah. We haven't that got was, there yet, that but was probably CGI. But uh, most of the stunts look like they were pretty much practical stunts, right on. You know, whether they're the whether they're being chased by hordes up and down staircases or whatever. That that all looked pretty practical. Oh yeah, and even even them pushing through and falling down may may have been um, candy glass, but it may have been real. You know. I don't know because they, they, again they did a good job. This the bodies just piling out like freaking lemmings. You know, it's uh, they did. I mean, their effects. They did a good job. Nothing was too over the top. I don't think. Yeah. You know, and so. they and like I say, they really got the physics of masses of bodies down pat. They really made that look good. 
with their special effects team. And if it didn't look good, they made sure to cut it quick enough so you wouldn't have time to notice it didn't look good. So they, they did a really good job with that. And they did a really good job filming in these incredibly confined spaces inside the train car. They made that train car feel really tight. And oh, it was claustrophobic. Yeah. No place to run. Yeah. Except front or back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly it turns into a side scrolling combat game from the 80s. It, it, it was. And, and again, and in some of the things they did, you know, because you figure, well, how did they stop them from just getting them? Because again, some of the unique qualities to the zombies made it to where they were able to. Uh, you know, stave them off. Okay? Yes. We're not going to reveal, you know, some of those things. I, I, we can't oh, give away the whole movie. All right. All we right. can't. We can't give away the whole movie. Okay. You got to leave them some surprises. So there are some ways that these zombies react that are not like uh, the previous zombies. Yeah, they're not Romero. They're not Romero zombies. That's for yeah. sure. So, uh, but yeah. So it starts to go south really quick. Um, People are in contact again. The stereotypes come out, you know, the over-the-top, you know, executive, and you know, the father's still a bit of a jerk, you know, through all this. It wasn't until late, later on he starts to redeem himself. And then there's there, then there's the bruiser, then there's the barbarians. I'm just calling them the barbarians. This guy with a pregnant wife. He's just like this stocky, you know, just built dude, you know, and he's got kind of, you know, kind of a tough guy, you know. Yeah, I, I should probably go find out what other tough guys he's played in Korean movies because he looks he looks like the Korean Charles Bronson uh, from the from like the 70s but bigger even bigger yeah he, he's a big boy for sure so uh he's a main character yeah so it winds up focusing on these main characters you know you have those, like those four yeah the father the daughter the guy and his wife um and then there's some uh, minor characters around them you know like you have like the grandmas are near them. The you know uh, the the baseball player, baseball. the cheerleader. Um, so uh, basically, you know, uh, they're going. They're they're on the train. They were going originally to Busan. You know, the train was going to stop, and then you know things are going bad. The you know the Korean propaganda machine, the government. Oh, there there are no problems. There are you know containments. You know, trust your government. Blah 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 stuff going on. Oh it's yeah, we're, get off this. Get off at this train station. There'll be soldiers. There to meet you. Yeah. And they're they're right. I mean, there were soldiers there to meet them. That is true. Because yeah, the guy, you know, the guy had a contact, but the news is telling everybody's fine, you know, stay here, stay there. Um, and then people are starting to see that the problem is bigger than this, they're trained because there's a lot of stuff on the news, live streaming. Unfortunately, since I don't read Korean, but there's a lot of people on phones, and you're seeing all kinds of like you know, forums and stuff, people saying messages, and they don't translate all that. So I was yeah, I'm wondering. I got to tell you, that was a nice touch about how the information spread was showing everybody use their phones because phones are a huge part of this story. And, you know, I've always heard people say, ah, oh, if you got cell phones in a horror movie, you know, it loses the isolation. No. No, not at all. You know, that, that phone does not help except to let you know that, yeah, this little bubble you're in on this train, uh, the problem just isn't here. The problem is way out that way and way out that way. The problem is way beyond your, you can, you can focus on. Um, and, and I was surprised that the phone networks were even up. 
Like I'm, no, I'm power, power is going to be on for a day or two after we all go away, right? Or is it? It's hours for was it hours for uh, uh, coal and gas and you know? Um, I, I've had some statistics on that, but no, the power. You know, it's during the event. I'm just surprised that the phone lines even worked, just because that that the networks weren't you know uh, co you know taken over by the government or they were so clogged oh. or anything. Yeah, like yeah, that, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Okay, I get your point. Um, that was I was surprised with, and there was this one. Oh, again, I don't want to spoil it. There's a mo there's a moment of you know, uh, which is a similar. It's it wasn't intentionally the same moment, but there is a moment with helicopters. Okay. Oh dear. That's which was awesome. That's all I'm going to say. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's a moment with helicopter. So. So anyway, so this is you know basically that's the premise of the movie. They're on a train. They're going from you know. Trying to go to from stop to stop, you know, like okay, don't stop here. We got to stop here. Okay, we stop here. Everything should be fine. Oh wait, no, things are not fine. Okay, we got to get back on the train and keep going to the ultimate destination. And as they're going through, things are breaking down more and more and more as they go yeah. along. Yeah, there's and they're losing more and more people as they go along, and more and more cars as they're being crowded into one section of the train. Um. Uh, I would also point out that um, one thing that was, was that sort of stood out for me in this uh, in this film was um, there's a, a a part in the panic where everybody goes has kind of an every man for himself attitude. Even the yes. father does has kind of an every man for himself attitude. But there's a point where you realize that's that's just how you die. That 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 being every man for yourself is just how you die, and the only way you're going to survive is by working together. And so I thought that was a really that, that was a nice moment where uh, there's a point where he has an option to bail out and leave everybody behind, and take his daughter to some imaginary safety that he thinks he's going to get to, and you know uh, there's that moment where it's like, yeah, you could do that, or you can stay in the group and fight together, uh, as opposed to just uh, run off towards. Uh, your imagined golden parachute, you know, this idea that he's because he's a wealthy guy and like the barbarian, his wife are real working class, uh, that somehow trouble's not going to touch me because I'm, I drive a BMW, you know, and I have connections and I know people yeah, and... exactly. And all that evaporates really fast. So you're just down to the people with you around you. Yeah. Just you guys in the lifeboat. That's it. You know, and I think that was a really, that to me was a really, really good point. Yeah, because, uh, um, why are you calling me? But, uh, sorry about that. I was trying, to send, <laughs> I was trying to send a text message. All right, folks, Scott was calling me while we we're on the podcast together. It just and doesn't make any sense here. He could talk yeah. to me right here. I, I don't know what he's trying to say, but, um, something, so, something mean about our customers, uh, our, our, our audience, no doubt. Uh, so, um, yeah, so, but it takes, it, but it takes a while for them to come to that realization. Cause like little by it chips away little by little, like, oh, okay, well I help this guy. Yeah. You know, you're a jerk. You should really help me with that. No, 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 no. then, but little by little, it starts to go and go and go till they finally start realizing that. Yeah. Okay. All we have is each other. Yeah. You know? And it, there's definitely a class thing involved here where the middle class guy clearly thinks he has privilege, you know, that's going to somehow save him. And the executive, the really high up executive, who's he never lets go of that idea, the of that he's 
that this isn't going to touch him, that he's going to survive because he's from a wealthier, higher up, more important class of person. Meanwhile, the barbarian, you know, from the get-go has the immediate right attitude, you know, that he, him and the proletariat are in it together, not to get too communistic about it, but it's, they definitely talk about class distinctions in Korea in this. Oh movie. yeah. And, you know, and they, they, they start figuring things out fairly quickly, you know, in a couple of instances. And, uh, and there was this one really cool moment where, you know, they need to get from, you know, train, I think it was like car nine to car 13, but there's a lot of zombies in their way. And you have this little quick little, uh, it wasn't really a montage, but this little get ready scene, which was pretty cool. You know, <laughs> digging through gear. They were digging through the baseball gear, you know, because they were in the car where the, where the team was. And they're su they're suiting up, you know. <laughs> there's, there's nothing quite as good as a suit up montage. When it's like, well, that's it. We're all in, you know. I, I think about that scene from, uh, what was the... Uh, Low budget Georgia made in Georgia black and white zombie film. I know you sent it to me years I, ago. I know, uh, uh, but there's a one moment where they're getting suited up, and the guy is biting his leather jacket as they're suiting up to make sure that he can't get bit through the jacket. And everyone just sort of turns around and looks at him while he's all, Err. "What? <laughs> just <laughs> testing, right?" <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't. I can't remember the name of it. It's been so long. That was um, just. A, that was a great suit up montage. You know, I'm dead. Well, that's also where we got the Alamo gun as well. Yes, exactly. You know, the guy has. Um, they're all. They have all these. You know, rifles and this and that. And then he has a little two shot Derringer. You know, and the one guy's like, well, "What's that for?" He's like, "Well, that's the Alamo gun." <laughs> when it when it when it's when everything is when all the guns are empty and there's nothing else I could do and. It's either get bit or take myself out. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Alamo gun. It's the Alamo gun. So, uh, yeah, but that suit up moment. And I think they could have suited up a little bit better, but uh, like more. They could have done more with what they had. But, you know, it was so cool that they even did something, you know. And Time were, was of the essence. And the barbarian went first. So it was pretty good, you know. And, um, uh, they did a pretty cool job, like with things like you know using the phones to communicate, using the phones as distractions for the zombies. There's a couple of times that they use their their phones as as you know, well we'll leave this phone here and we'll dial it, you know, and that'll make a noise and the zombies will turn towards it. They did a lot of cool things with nothing when they had zero as far as supplies. There's a lot of cool moments, and um, and they and they use it for information, which helped them out on their journey to the front too. Yeah. Just they're able to see the train route. And, you know, there were things that we won't say what happened, you know, but there was things that, you know, they were able to utilize that information to help yeah. them along their way. So it was still useful information. Again, just a little, you might want to know when the train's about to enter a tunnel that's not lit. Yeah. That could be really bad if you're in the middle of something delicate. <laughs> yeah. So, so they're using these things for, to their advantage while they still work. So, um, so it was pretty cool, you know, now it uh, it had great zombie physics, and um, I feel like I have to mention the zombie drag carpet. You get a shot of it in the trailer, where the zombies are chasing the train, and one grabs onto the train but is being dragged, and another zombie runs up and tries to grab the back of the train, but it ends up just holding on to another zombie, and they start piling up like like Amazon army ants, forming a bridge. 
you know, uh, across a river and people, they hold on to each other and there's zombies who are running up the pile of zombies being dragged behind the train and throwing themselves at the train. Well, which is what they tried to do in World War Z with the walls, but yeah. it but it just looked terrible the way they did yeah. it in World War Z. This looked good. This looks really good. And it's just, yeah. And the zombies doing that stuff where they just don't care about physical injury and they don't care about pain. Yeah, it sucks. They really make a good point of that. And one of the things about this film is that um, it's desperate. It's super desperate because there aren't enough weapons to really, even if you had a baseball bat, there's no room in that damn train car to swing it. So it's super, super desperate. Oh, and yes, uh, there are times where it's like, I think I think once things start to roll, they're going to keep the tension high. There's a lot of action, you know, for surprising again, for there's a pretty, there's a, there's a fair amount of action and they keep the action going pretty good and they keep the tension going pretty good, you yeah. know? And, and there's also, again, again, like the, I think, uh, again, when you're talking about the culture comes out there too, like the, like the train, like the conductor, you know, just his attitude about wanting to help people and just the way he, he still keeps his professionalism about him, you know, even during all this and the way he yeah. communicates to the people, like, get here and be safe. And this, this you know, he like to the end, he, he, he just keeps his professionalism to try to help people. And you this know? idea that they, he's got a duty and yeah, du he's duty back. Yeah, and even though he's just working this this job of being a uh, uh, the uh, the train engineer and then the train conductor, like there's there's the people who are the service personnel um, on the train, their duty gets manipulated by people who are, don't have their best interests at heart. Yeah, but they you know, but because they still feel like they're you know they don't just immediately abandon their post. But again, this is a comment on the working class versus the executive class. Yes. You know, who the executive class guy did that shit's out the window immediately. It's me first all the way. The uh oh it just reminds this <laughs> just reminds me of Monty Python, uh the TV series folks, not Holy Grail, which is the only thing anybody seems to know, or maybe Life of Brian. But there was actually a TV show, folks, um, you know, four seasons. But uh, there's this one where they have the game show, and they have uh, – I can't remember the name of the game show. It's been a long time, but they have Karl Marx on it. And they're asking him these questions. You know, the struggle of class versus class is a what struggle? A what struggle? A political struggle. A political struggle. struggle. Yes. A political struggle. <laughs> and then they start asking him – and the last question, they start asking him soccer questions. <laughs> you know, and he's like – you know, it's like three questions on – on on Marxist theory, and then the last one is soccer, you know. And I think uh, it's Mao Zedong to steal, you know. And Mao Zedong, bing, you know, buzzes in. Yeah, but, I was going to say it reminded me of the uh, sinking ship on Python, where it's women and children first, and the crew's all dress dressing as children and women. women oh, oh no, yeah, no, no, that is no. But when you're talking about, you know, the classing, it just reminds me of the struggle of class versus class is a what struggle? A what struggle? Um. But yeah, women and children and red Indians and astronauts first. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> you know, but um uh it's um we're gonna just we're flat about recommending it. It's been on Netflix, so I'm not sure where it is at the moment. It's still on Netflix, it's been there for it's been there for quite some time. It's uh but you know how they rotate their stuff, so definitely worth it. So yeah, so 
I feel, uh, again, there's an over-theme of redemption, I feel. Uh, there's a lot of uh, Korean-centric culture and stuff. But, again, it's you know it's some good lessons that I think anybody could learn um, how not to be. Um, <laughs> they, um, I think it was, you know, for, again, zombies are a background. Well, actually, you know what? I don't think the zombies are as much of a background as some other things because they're in your face with these zombies all the time, you know. So, but it's not the main theme, but I think they keep the tension up. I think they keep your interest. They keep the action up uh, the whole time. You know, you definitely have your characters that you hate yeah, and you love and your people you're rooting for, people uh, you want to see go. Um, it's, it's, I highly recommend this movie. It's, it's a very good movie. It's available on Netflix right now. So yeah. I'm giving it to at least, at least two zombies up on this one. This is, this is really good. And again, it's always good to see a foreign apocalypse. It's always good to see what other cultures and other societies do with these tropes. Yep, definitely. And then I, I heard that they were going to do a uh, an American remake of it. So, um, again, I think the original is pretty damn good. I, all I could imagine is that they're going to fuck it up. So, uh, but which we typically do when we remake yeah. uh, foreign films. So, well, you know, train trains and uh, train commuting just isn't a big thing in America. No, not like it is in Korea. No, no, def definitely not. So, Train to Busan. Uh, you know, I'll give it. Uh, you know, two mushroom clouds up uh, for sure uh, on that one. Highly recommend to see that. So. Train to Busan. Again, we try not to spoil too much stuff, but there's a lot of good stuff in the movie we didn't talk about. So uh, that's going to be it, folks. We're, we're going to wrap this up. And as usual, if you're watching this video uh, and you have not subscribed to the, cha the, the YouTube channel, you know, hit the subscribe button, which I think is down below. Um, if you're listening to the audio later, you know, you know, uh, uh, follow us on iTunes if you use iTunes or whatever your favorite uh, pod feeder is. And uh, again, to keep up with what's going on with the podcast, uh, go to our blog, podcastatgroundzero.com. And on the right-hand side, there's a subscribe by email. So anytime I make a post, you'll get an email with a post of what's going on. You know, I think we currently have over 360 people subscribed uh, by email, which is pretty cool. So uh, so definitely do that. Uh, what we're going to do next, folks, not, you know, we're not sure. We haven't really talked about that yet, but um, we, got some, we, we got some apocalypse films in the bag we can talk about. Yeah, we are sort of, we are, you know, me and Scott will probably talk about because uh, Scott's going to be in my neck of the woods in about uh, about a week and a half, two weeks. So uh, we're going to do some hanging out. So we'll probably prior to that, you know, we probably won't have one prior to that, but we'll definitely talk about what our next one's going to be. We may even do one uh, when we're together just to get one knocked out. But we'll we'll we'll, we'll think about something we're going to do. We're not sure yet. So, uh, but stay tuned. Uh, I still haven't come up with an idea for a new contest yet because again, I have. The survivalist number one that's waiting for a lucky listener. So uh, I got to come up with a good contest for that. So uh, besides that, folks, that's it. Uh, thank you for your time with us as usual. Uh, again, as soon as we know what our next show will be, we will uh, announce that. And I, I have a bunch of like movies and stuff I've been coming across. I just got I got a bunch of stuff I got to post onto the blog. Um, oh, did you see that blog post I did, Scott? With the it's it's for the Fallout Wasteland Warfare miniatures game, but they are yeah. selling these bottle uh nuka-cola bottle caps yeah, distressed yeah. it's like a pack of 50 and it's like 10 15 bucks it's pretty cheap because i looked into doing it myself on companies that do bottle caps yeah and i can't get it as cheap as if i just buy theirs you know yeah. so um you know if you want a big fistful of bottle cap folks and who doesn't 
yeah. uh, uh, Nuka-Cola bottle caps. How you know, else are you going to pay for your iguana on a stick or um, crispy squirrel bites? Exactly. So yeah, uh, that's something to check out. So again, as soon as we know, folks, we'll let you know what we're gonna what we're gonna do next. So, but regardless, um, we're gonna sign off again. Uh, I'm Jared. He's Scott. Uh, thank you for joining us, and we will see you in the wastelands. Be seeing you. And you.